Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf Shavua. As we study Maseches Suvos, Daf Samach Dalit. I appreciate uh, those of you that ask me questions at any time. Feel free to ask questions. I will be relating uh, to a question today that, interestingly enough, a couple of people asked me uh, relating to this daf. I wasn't ready for it until I uh, prepared the shear. Some of you asked me on Shabbos, you're ahead of me, as far as uh, the return of property and the division of uh, marital property, if there is a divorce. Some of these issues that uh, we discussed in the past, um, I'm going to give an overview of uh, some of the halachas today. It's actually uh, going to help us. It is on the daf, but it's also a little bit beyond the daf. It'll be a good summary of a lot of what we've accomplished, uh, still need to accomplish. And I think people are really asking me for some of the takeaways um, as far as that. what's in Aksuba, what's the property uh, today after an engagement, especially if the engagement is not a halachic engagement. Uh, for example, who gets the engagement ring if there's a breakup of an engagement? And why practically la halacha, there'll be a difference between an engagement ring and a wedding ring. Wedding ring is considered to be part of uh, the nechassim of the marriage as opposed to an engagement ring, which I think even in secular law is understood to be an agreement to marry. It's part of uh, an arrangement to marry. And I think in secular law, it's assumed that with a, a broken engagement, the engagement is given back. Now, what happens uh, after the marriage? Does the engagement ring become integrated into the marriage? Or is it still considered to be a pre-marriage property? When it comes to the ksuba, the, there will be nafgaminos between that. Now, at the end of the day, in the halachos, so this is also a question, I'm not giving all the sources, but even if something is considered to be the property of the wife, she's able to hold on to the pre-marital property, that's what we're going to call it, um, and then she dies, that will be inherited by her husband. So that's an important uh, difference to realize. A couple of people also asked me uh, these over the last uh, couple of months, you know, what's going on in Aksuba today? We've discussed a lot of the issues, but I know, for example, when I'm a Saturday Kedushin, I'll explain to the Chassan in advance of the Ksuba, in advance of the Chassan, I'm going to explain to him what's included, the three require, the three responsibilities that are spelled out in every Ksuba. Um, do the Adim have to read that? I think we, in Masechus Yavamas, we covered it. You know, Ramosha was of the opinion for a number of reasons that the Adim don't have to go through the exact Ksuba. Today, people want to read over the Ksuba to see if the Rav made a mistake. And that's not so bad. Sometimes a Masechus Kedushin is going to ask uh, another Rav there just to make sure it's okay. Ideally, this is done way in advance, or at least uh, the the day of the wedding. You don't want to come to the Chasana and the Masonic Kedushin is just trying to figure it out, especially in a situation, let's say the Masonic Kedushin is late or caught in traffic. There's not always a Rav there who could uh, do things on the spot. And, you know, again, there are some, uh, if you're a Shechter, you know, you're, you're a Shmuel Kamenetsky, you don't have to prepare your Ksuba in advance. You're going to know how to do it, and you'll know how things are spelled. But uh, even in situations like that, things can happen. 
But we're talking here about the most Rabbanim, especially if it's not a Rav. Masada Kedushin means that you are Misada the Kedushin. And the Shulchan Aruch points out in Evan Ezer, we mentioned this again in the past, I'm sure, that the Masada Kedushin has to know how to be Masada Kedushin. Just because you have Smicha doesn't necessarily mean that you're an expert in all these halachas. I happen, it doesn't mean I'm an expert, but when I was in Smicha, I happened to take a special uh, series of shiurim with Rav Melech Shechters, Rav Herschel Shechters' father, uh, relating to the halachas of Evan Ezer. We probably discussed, uh, sometimes had to, somewhat of how to be Masadi Kedushin in Yeshiva University, Smicha program. I think today Rav Willick has two shiurim dedicated to this topic. In my day, another uh, big Rav, Rav uh, J.D. Bleich, he was the one who learned with us, and there are different opinions, of course. You'll see sometimes at a chasana that things are not done exactly in the same way. I'm just reacting to uh, some of the questions that have been asked to me that I haven't had a, uh, an opportunity to discuss. So I'm hoping over uh, the next couple of weeks, I'll be in Eretz Israel next week, but I still hope to give the shear. If not, you'll probably hear back from Rabbi Israeli to maybe do a little bit of a rewind and using, uh, again, we're not gonna, it's still going to be relevant to the daf, because the whole conversation about being a moredes, uh, a woman, you have to understand that category. When we say a rebellious wife, it doesn't mean the woman wants to watch a different TV station. It's a halachi category. The general category is for a woman that withholds uh, having relations with her husband. We discussed last week how a husband violates a losase. And it's based not only on the requirements of the ksuba, but the requirements of the ksuba get generated by a losase. We explained this uh, last week. A woman also has responsibilities as far as having relations uh, with her husband. And as we've seen through the Gemara, the Gemara presents one of two reasons why a woman would withhold having relations. Either she finds the guy is just a disgusting guy, does that mean the midos? Does that mean physically? And she has absolutely no desire to be with him. On this, and this is a halacha in many ways, um, there's a big machalakas rishonim. If you look in the Rambam and you look at the Perak Gimel of Hilchos his reading of the Gemara, going back to Samach Gimel through Samach Dalet, and I think this is the way most of the rishonim, at least that I've seen, read the Gemara, is in a case of a disgusting situation where the woman finds the guy to be a mios. So after going through a short process of withholding relations, they're going to get divorced right away. And we saw, we see in the Gemara how the requirements of the Ksuba are going to fall away. It's her choice in this situation, but he has to grant her a get. The rush says that's not true. The rush is a different sheet. Uh, right here, you look into the rush. The rush, of course, was a huge posek. The rush being the father of the tour. We have the rush, as far as I know, in uh, three areas. We have the rush. We have very important chuvos of the rush. The rush spent time in different countries. Spain, what's today? Spain, France, I believe Germany as well. And he received questions from all over. It's a little bit of a sidebar, but it's just good to know. You have appreciation of where these Rishonim are coming from. So the Rush would see different practices in uh, different communities. 
the Rush observed, and I think he actually held this halacha, which is not what we do, that Vesein Talamatar is not toloi on Ayu and Eretz Yisrael, Ayu and Chutzlaretz. We all go back to December 3rd or December 4th based on Bavel. And Bavel, in a way, has a definition, or all of uh, the diaspora has a definition of Bavel. The Rush said, no, it depends. on If you're in a community, if, if you're in a climate that needs rain earlier, so you're going to dive in for rain earlier. If you need rain later, you're going to dive in for rain later. I'm just giving you an example. That's like a classic example that's given about the Rush, how he traveled to different communities, saw different things, and how he passed in way beyond his own uh, shtetl. So the Rush, that's uh, the chuvos, very fascinating. Many, many, I could give uh, many shiurim just on the chuvos of the Rush, just like we have the Rashpa, who has incredible uh, chuvos, as well as being a parish on the Gemara. Now, the Rush takes a little bit of a different role in the Gemara. He's more than just a parish. He's giving la halacha. The Rashba generally is going to give halachos. The Rashba is the great Talmud of the Ramban and took over really Spanish, what we call Spain, Spanish Jewry, after the Ramban made Aliyah. But the Rashba is a parish on the Gemara. Helps us understand the Gemara. There will be nafgaminas, practical halachos, but the Rush wrote on the Gemara a halachic sefer. There actually, there's a longer piece to it, there's a shorter piece to it. And we also have the parish of the Rush on Chumash. Very often it's put together with the Dasakanim or the Moshe Zakanim or some of the Balitosvos. Okay, so the Rush says over here that even in a case where the man find the woman finds the man to be disgusting, doesn't want to be with him physically. Now again, today and even back then, why someone finds someone uh, disgusting is not because they don't fit into the profile that's listed on a, on a shidduch resume, what's a good-looking person? You know, what do they say? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So we're not dealing with objective criteria. but And there could be clearly uh, psychological reasons from both sides. And there could be uh, midos-wise. If a person's a disgusting person who doesn't treat you well, the woman's not going to want to be with such a manoval. Okay, so the according to the rush, the waiting period is... Even with the manoval, even with the, again, it's perceived by the, the, the woman, she has no interest in this person. So you look at the rush, the rush says still, after you go through the initial process, you still wait a year for the get. And then we come back to our Gemara and you look into the Rambam and Hilchus Ishus, Perak Yud Gimel, as far as what's his responsibility to provide for her, as far as the Ksuba. She's withholding relations from the guy. Okay, remember, you, just to put this into the right structure, the, the, and that's what you actually find in the beginning of Parakid Gimel of Hilchas Ishus, you have a man that's withholding relations from the woman. Not being categorized in the beginning of the parak and what we saw last week as a moraid, but it's a reflection of his uh, business schedule. But in many ways, it's almost the same category as a moraid. And you'll even see... Now, on some of the Rishonim, the, the, the term Morit is being used, whether it's formal being a Morit or not being a Morit, right? The Morit is for the man, the Moredes is for the woman. That's part of uh, the responsibility. 
so the rush says even in a situation where there's he she finds him to be disgusting there has to be a process a longer process we have very often in in, in ishos in the formation of a marriage and i spent some time on this in Masechus yavamas it's a halachic idea and it's very much a, a hashkafic idea there's the concept of process process means that we don't just have a nisuin. That's what happened with Neymat and Torah. This is the Rambam, the very beginning of Hilchus Ishus. It used to be you met somebody on a street, you liked each other, you got married. Then the Torah came along and the Torah said, no, you have to first have Kiddushin. There needs to be a getting to know each other, period, in a more formal way, in a more intimate way, obviously without physical intimacy. That's what's called Kiddushin, which we know used to be a year and sometimes even more than a year, before the wedding took place, the Nisuin took place. Chazal came along, this is the way my Rebbe Raparnas explained it, and Chazal came along and said that we're going to create, Chazal are going to create a facsimile. They're going to add to the process by doing what the Torah did. The Torah added Kiddushin, we're going to add what's called Shiduchin. Shiduchin is when there's a commitment to go through with Kiddushin. Now, in our communities, and it relates to our uh, discussion, there's not such a nafgamina between saying a person is uh, engaged secularly and that there's Shiduchin. In the Hasidic community, and it happened in other communities as well, even before the official Kiddushin that took place at the Hasana, they institutionalized and they formalized the engagement with Tanayim. We do Tanayim today at a chasana, but the Tanayim that we do today at a chasana, at least in our community, we follow more or less the text provided by Ramosha Feinstein, <clears throat> just means that both sides have agreed that they want to go to the next stage, at least both fathers or both providers. If there's no father in a situation, the mother would end up being uh, the person who is not signing the Tanayim, but whose name will be on the Tanayim. Generally, we do not put the woman, the mother, on the Ksuba. That's not, uh, doesn't invalidate the Ksuba, but that's not the, the Masora approach. With Tanayim, it's more of a financial thing. Who's the one who's paying for the Hasana? Who's the one who's providing for the son or for the daughter? So they're going to be nafkaminas. I'm not going to get now into the details of the writing of the Ksuba and where maybe even a traditional community there would be a place to put a mother if, you, if it was a non-Jewish father. Do you put the grandfather? So those are, those are discussions. But Chazal add layers. Now, the reason why I'm pointing it out, and I really found this is, uh, it's both halachically and ashkafically uh, beautifully integrated. You see, even in the Moreid and the Moredes, there's a process. You may recall those that had the schus, or I had the schus to learn Yuvamas with you, we spoke about how even in a Yibam situation where there is no Kiddushin and there's a Zika relationship where the wedding is uh, officially formalized, the marriage is formalized through the Bia, through the relations, Chazal have instituted different stages. <clears throat> what the different stages of the process represent on a Hashkafic level is the seriousness of marriage, the getting to know of each other. Rabbi Soloveitchik points out, based on a, a Rashi, that's the whole idea of why Yitzchak took Rivka into the tent, representing you don't just get married, you have to get to know each other. And this is true as well. The process, which reflects the Kedusha, 
is also in the winding down period. Just like you don't have a quickie marriage, you don't have a quickie divorce. Now, I want to just point out as an incidental uh, issue, when I say quickie marriage, I spoke about this in Shul uh, last week. Today, there are some times where we do expedite the marriage. You see what these uh, incredible, these holy chayalim and their spouses. And we're not suggesting that Bisman Hazeb, an engagement uh, should be very long. We knew that there were problems with the Kiddushin being in advance, and just personally as a Rav, you see very long, you see very often that, not all the time, a long engagement sometimes uh, generates a lot of conflict and anxiety. Now, a short engagement could do that as well, and a middle one could do that as well. It's very often not the time. It's based on the chasen and the kala, and especially the in-laws, the outlaws, and the parents. But what I want to point out, which you should appreciate on this daf, in the context of the marriage, and not just this case of Moreda Moredes, where you may say, no, nah, this isn't really relevant. And who's going to know about this? We don't have the minog, as the Gemara points out, that if you have a Moredes, a Moredes who is making the husband suffer, right? That's the second category. So there, everyone, the Rush, the Rambam, every Rishon is going to agree that you have that 12-month process until the get is actually given. So we don't make such announcements. You know, it wouldn't seem to be today so modest to make such an announcement from the pulpit. Now, the Ramosha points out that if a woman, for example, is a uh, goes to the mikvah and her hair is wet and people see it, okay? You know, she's not covering her hair or she's, you know, with family. Um, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not a lack of sneas. So... Maybe that's what's happening over here in the Gemara, because you would think that it's a lack of sneers to announce this woman has uh, withheld relations and she's causing tsar. You can announce that from the pulpit. Remember, that's the second uh, aspect of within the Moredes category, where she's not doing it because she's disgusted by the, by the guy, but they had a fight and she wants to make him suffer. So the question is, until when? You know, until how long? So in that situation, after going through the initial process, you announce it in shul, three weeks, four weeks, then you have to wait a month. And again, the ksuba won't have to be provided in its fullest detail unless there's a uh, contractual agreement between the two. But what you're seeing over here is that there's a wind-down period. That's what I want to suggest. Just like you go into a wedding and there's different stages, so there should be different stages in the divorce. It's not just an, an immediate divorce. And that's even in the secular world. Very often there's a separation, whether it's a legal separation or not separation, uh, before the divorce. Now, there are going to be exceptions to it. Sometimes there's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm talking halachalamaisa. If, if Rahman al-Islan, a guy put on a beautiful act, what kind of great guy he was, and then they get married and they find out he's a behemoth, He's he, he's abusive, so you're going to get encourage this woman, or the woman's going to want to get out of there ASAP. Is there ever an exception to the issue that an abusive person could be fixed? I don't want to, you know, we're not having these discussions right now. Um, but that's an extreme situation, so, and there's also an extreme situation that the Torah does not encourage people just to run out. Yes, we do have a get, and it's even a mitzvah if it's necessary, but it shouldn't be as uh, quick 
as we so often see in society, all things being equal. Again, not always are things equal. So what, I, what I'm saying is this Moret and the Moret, that's the broader discussion, ends up being as far as the, the winding down. Okay, this is very Halacha and I did a bit of a different share today after going through the Makaros, but I think it's important to understand the context of what's been happening. Now, I want to give you a little bit of uh, encouragement. I've done this before, but I think especially here. Look at the Rambam. Look at the Rambam, Hilchas Ishus, Prakim Yudbeis, and Yud Dalit. I've mentioned before, even if you're not uh, comfortable reading the Rambam in, in, in Hebrew, we do have an incredible translation of the Rambam with excellent footnotes. There are certain svarim, even if they were, even though they're written in English and translated into English, <coughs> they should translate it back into Hebrew because, or the footnotes are in English, but sometimes they're so incredible. I like to say this about the Maznayim Rambam. Maznayim Rambam is actually available and in many uh, parts of it, it's available in English translation and the footnotes as well. I believe that in Hilchas Ishus, this is true. Look at Chabad.org. It's on Chabad.org. I don't know if his name is a Chabad publication, but Chabad makes available a lot of Svarim, uh, classic Svarim. They have uh, Rashi, old, old, I think it was called the Judaica Press Rashi. This is real halacha I'm giving you. And the Maznaim Rambam. Not all halakim are translated. The, well, not in all halakim are the footnotes available. They originally written in English, the footnotes, even though I do think they have the whole yad of the Rambam in Hebrew and in English. I think it even has an akudos, which could be helpful even if you could read the Rambam to, to understand the uh, punctuation. So look in Hilchas Ishas. You just go to Chabad.org. You'll see they call it classic books and they have Maimonides, the Rambam. If you go over Prakim Yud Bet and Yud Gimel, 12 and 13, Yud Bez and Yud Gimel, it'll be very helpful. It's actually going to be good Chazar for this past week, the last few weeks of this parak, the fifth parak, this holy parak of Meseches Ksuvos. I want to just end, because uh, today we, we dealt with a lot as an overview. There's a beautiful insight of what a ona means. You see, what this is all, ha- what's happening with all of this is a, a couple supposed to spend time with each other, not just physically, where they're supposed to spend time emotionally. They're supposed to, in fact, these halachas, by the way, of being a more and a moredes is even uh, if a woman's anida, because she's made the declaration that I'm not interested in this person. You could say, okay, the clock doesn't start ticking until. She goes to the mikvah. But no, even if she's anida, you know, sometimes a, a woman could be anida for a long period of time, not only after a childbirth, but at a later period in uh, the relationship, there's uh, sometimes inconsistency in, in a woman being anida based on her own uh, biology. These halachas would still apply because it's not just about the act. So there is a uh, this idea of ona, as I pointed out, I believe from Ramosha, but it's been said in the name of others as well. It's not just about the physical responsibility that's spelled out in the Ksuba. It's also the time and the quality of time. But also the term Ona is Misha'ana, right? We say that there's a response, that there's a dialogue. One person speaks and the other person is responding to it. 
That's what marriage is supposed to be. It's not a monologue. You know, one person talks and the other person doesn't talk or doesn't even listen. So this is a uh, good summary. I, I appreciate the opportunity to put this into the context. And therefore, even the Mayred Moredes has some romance to it, if we understand not just the halacha, but some of the hashkafa that is integrated together with the halacha. Have a great week of learning.